You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. Well, hi, friends. I'm glad you're back with me today. And I'm going to introduce you to a new friend that I just made online. And I have to say, I told my children, I'm going to go in the other room and record record a podcast. And my daughter said, who is it? I said, oh, it's just somebody I met online. You wouldn't know her. And my 14-year-old's response was, mom, you're not supposed to meet people online. I said, you're right. But in this case, that rule doesn't apply to your mom. (laughs) So I want to introduce you to Kathy Taylor, who runs a ministry called Hurting Moms, Mending Hearts. And I kind of think the best way to introduce you is to just rip the bandaid off and let you jump in and share about your life, your family and whatever it was that brought you to the point to start a ministry called Hurting Moms, Mending Hearts. Well, great. Thank you so much for having me, Pam. I'm really um, grateful to be here today. Um, gosh, I, uh, I, I started this ministry out of my own brokenness over one of my children. And um, I just woke up one day and I had a daughter who was uh, ditching school and finally realizing she was on drugs and having multiple abortions. And I had absolutely no control over her. And I had, my dad's a pastor. I grew up in the church. I accepted Jesus when I was 15. And then when I was 18, I got married for the first time. And for about 30 years, I lived way far away from anything that God would probably want me to live. Um, during that time, I, I'm, I've been married to my husband now for 24 years. We've been together 30 years, but he's my fourth husband. So I went through a lot of relationship issues. When I first met my husband, he was an alcoholic and I drank with him. So for six years, we actually lived together and drank um, before we came back around. And it was actually, we, we got sober and then it was then I realized my daughter was out of control. And I had so much guilt and so much shame over what I had dragged her through. And this is what brought me back to the Lord because of my pain. I can remember staying home from work, just in agony, the anxiety and the fear and not knowing where she was. She was still a minor. She was about 16 when this all started. And so then I started getting to the point where I even looked into emancipating her because I was so worried that I was going to be responsible for the stuff that she was doing. But anyway, God taught me so much during that, the, the pain. I remember saying, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? What, what, what can I learn from this? And I, I began to seek the scriptures for, you know, I, I did a whole thing on, on the different emotions I had, anxiety and fear and discouragement, and disappointment and guilt and shame. And I, I, I learned what the Bible said about those emotions. And I learned about what what Jesus really wanted for me. And basically through that process, learned how to surrender my daughter, even though she hadn't changed, I got to a better place where I was okay. Well, at that point, I just started having this intense burning. And I know now that it was a calling that God was calling me to do this, but I wanted to help other moms like this. I I don't think that any 
but he understands the pain of a hurting mom, but another hurting mom. There's there's something, even the dads, it's not the same for them. Most moms will agree. Some, but most moms will agree it's not. And I just felt like, I actually was part of my own need. I, I wanted to be in a group where we could pray for each other and pray for each other's kids and where I could talk freely about what was going on. I'm going to tell you, I would be in conversations with friends or friends from church where they're talking about their perfect kids. <laughs> their kids were going off to college or all the good things happening. And I was just wanting to slip through a crack in the floor. And please don't ask me about mine. And I just figured, surely I am not the only one. And the problem is we think we're the only one because we don't talk about it. And nobody else does either. So we we had a couple of moms um, that had known each other in high school and they ran into each other in a grocery store years later. And they both left that meeting, that time together, thinking, oh man, her family's perfect. I wish my kids were like hers. And then uh, fast forward a couple of years, they both walked into a hurting moms group together and found out they were both hurting moms. They just didn't share that with each other. They didn't want the other one to know. So there's something, in fact, most moms that go through this program will tell me the most significant thing is learning that you're not alone. You're not the only one. And so at first I, I just wrote like, well, first, the first time we met, I met a, at my house. I would put it in the church bulletin. I went to one of the pastors. He said, oh, yeah, start the group. And I had no plan. I had no curriculum. I just pictured that we would share and cry and pray together, which we did. But after the first night, we all started feeling better. And I know now that that's because talking about things, especially the most painful things in our lives, takes the power out of it. You know, when we're going through stuff, this has, we have, it has a lot of power over us, but releasing it by sharing and finding out we're not alone. And so that group went on for a while, but I decided we need a beginning and an end. And so I wrote an eight week uh, curriculum at that time. I bought a bunch of books on prodigal kids and I pulled stuff out of it. And it was years later, I shared it with the church. I did it for a few times. Another church did it. And there was a, a publisher that got a hold of it and came to me and wanted to publish it. So we did that. And then a couple of years later, I decided we really need to be a nonprofit because my heart is to help moms. It's not about making money. I, I just want, I just still feel this sense of urgency to help other moms. So the way it is now, we're a nonprofit. We, we are uh I don't know how many states we're in, but we have a lot of local groups. We have groups in Canada. We even have a group in Australia. And it's a 10-week curriculum. It's a, there's 10 weeks. is a workbook. We also have online groups. So they go through the same thing because we learned early on. That was kind of a funny thing. This is when I still had a publisher. She said, Let's try, what about trying online? I was like, absolutely not. We're not going to do an online group. I doesn't seem safe. I don't want to do it. So she did a survey and the other mom, and what happened was a bunch of people said, yeah, we would be on it. Cause you know, at the beginning, there's not groups all over. People couldn't find local groups. So I said, okay, well then I'm going to lead the first one. I want to see how it goes. I fell in love with it from day one. And I have, and I haven't been leading groups lately. We've got about I don't know, 125 leaders. Um, 
So we have online groups going all the time. We have groups around the U.S. and Canada. And I think one of the things that I've learned is, you know, even online, what's so fun about it, you'll be in a group with moms from all over the place. And I don't think it's ever happened that two moms accidentally got into the same group that knew each other. And that's a big concern for some of these moms. I mean, going to a group at their church or locally, they don't want people to know about this, you know. And so anyway, that so that's what it's doing. It just keeps on. It keeps growing and there's always new hurting moms. I'm taking some notes as we chat here. (laughs) And um, I just want to start out by asking, is there any qualifier for what is a hurting mom? Now, you mentioned a few things that your daughter had gone through, but I imagine the hurt in each one of our lives and the hurt or the situation in, in each of our children's lives, your imagination could just fill in anything. So, yeah. So we, the groups, we have a huge variety of hurts. I mean, I always tell moms, you know, our situations are different. We, our situations vary, but the pain that we have when we're hurting or the choices of our child is the same. Now, the major, far majority of moms are moms who have teens or adult kids, because when they're little, you still have somewhat control over them. But once they get to the age where they're making their own choices and we have, we can have in the same group. So there's of course addiction. Um, that's huge. When a kid is addicted, chemically addicted, there are, we have moms whose kids are incarcerated. We have grandmas who are raising their grandkids because the parents have gone off the rails and aren't able to raise them right now. We have Lots of moms whose kids have chosen alternative lifestyles to the way that they've been brought up that breaks their heart. We have moms whose kids just were raised in the church and they don't want anything to do with Jesus anymore. And that breaks their mom's heart. So it really, I, I, like I said, I say the pains, the situations vary, but I think when we're hurting over a child and it's especially when it's over the choices of our child, we, we do have a lot of moms who have kids that have mental health issues. That, but hand in hand with that goes addiction and some of the other criminal behavior and some of the other things that that they have. So it's really, um, yeah, it, you know, if we're hurting over a kid. I think we all understand that. And I think, um, like you and I were talking earlier, I think the book, the the main thing that we're trying to do in these groups and we can't fix your children. I mean, that was the, the whole purpose is to learn how to surrender them basically, because as a mom, I can't fix my kids. I can't control them. They're all adults now, but I can control my life. And what happens so many times is we become so fixated on this one child. Maybe we have other kids that are doing really well, but we're so fixated on the one child. The other kids are kind of getting left in the, in the dust, you know, we miss out on so much. We miss out on other relationships. We miss out on joy. We miss out on peace. Many people's marriages suffer because the the mom is so focused on the one child. So it's learning how to have peace and to have joy again in your life, no matter what your child is doing. And yeah, you know, of course, we're always praying that they're going to turn around or they're going to change But you know what? What if they don't? That's the reality. I mean, they're making their own decisions. And so that's, does that that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking 
you know, I know moms with little children that have special needs and, you know, they have, they're hurting for their children because maybe they can't interact with other kids because of some of this. And, and it's like a, um, a little bit of a mourning and a sorrow for some expectations they had for that child, but it is a different kind of hurting mom and mending hearts that you minister to maybe there may be some similarities, but you're focused on that other area. Yeah. And I think even, even in that case, when you have, and that's so heartbreaking when you have a young child who is, you know, for whatever reason, you know, you're hurting over them. They're not able to adapt or function in school or with their peers it's so it's still got to be so painful and honestly this the whole thing is again learning how to trust Jesus with them and so I think the one thing I will say because the majority of moms that go through it are it's over kids that are making bad choices we don't have a lot with little kids but at the same time I know that we can go through pain over those little ones too and I think the principles apply the principles absolutely apply. In fact, you said something about mourning, you know, mourning that what, what it is, what you hoped it would be, what your expectations. And the first the two of the chapters in the book deal with the phases of grief and pain, because there is a grieving process, no matter what age our child, when it's not going the way we envision. I mean, when we want, I don't know about you, but all my life, I just wanted to be a mom. I mean, when people ask me when I was young, what do you want to be when you grow up? I just wanted to be a mom. And when that doesn't go well, or you end up going through this kind of stuff, whether it's when they're young and have their own difficulties or older, I feel like that pain and there is a grief. There is a grieving that comes with it because it's a a loss of something that you had hoped for or that you thought was going to be. And I think one thing that's important when we look at the different groups and the different types either, you know, like the little ones with some of those things or all the different types of uh, situations that you said that you commented on. There's no competition in this that no, you know, it's not a competition between my situation is worse than your situation or, Hey, um, you really just shouldn't worry about that because you got nothing on me. It's your heart hurts no matter what your situation is it is, it's important to you. And God sees that and he walks with you in it. And like you said, God, what are you going to teach me through this? What should I be keeping my eyes out for? What should I be looking for? Yeah. And and that, that I I say that a lot in our leaders, the the different leaders of all our leaders have been through a group and they have that same burning desire that I had. Like, I just want to help other moms. I just want to help other moms with it. And so and that was interesting what you said about my situation is worse than yours. You, there are moms that come in. I've heard that before. Gosh, I don't know. You know, I feel like I hear some of these horrendous stories and maybe my, and I say the same thing that you just said, you know what, when you're hurting over a child, there's no, there's no scale on the cause or the, you know, if it's important enough, we're hurting over our children for whatever reason we're hurting over them. And another mom understands that pain. Yeah. And you were talking earlier before we hit record also, you know, God is going, he's working with each one of our children to accomplish something with them. And he's working with us to accomplish something 
with us. And so it's kind of like we're on this parallel journey. I don't know if you call it that. He's he's working through each of us and everybody that's in our circle and sphere of influence. But yet there are a lot of ways that it overlaps. It's so right. I mean, you know, like I said, our main focus is on how can we get to a better place. But of course, our children, and I, I mentioned to you earlier, we, I think so many times we as moms are who get, we get in the way of what God might be trying to do in our child's life. So not only are we closed off to what he might be trying to do in our lives, because we're so focused on our child, but Sometimes, you know, we're trying to provide, I did it for the longest time, provide safety nets. I can tell you, and this is in my book, I, I wrote whole reports trying to get my daughter through high school. I found, I, I wrote a report on Queen Elizabeth and on cockatiels. And, you know, I would just write up, I was desperate that she would graduate from high school. And you know what? She didn't graduate. She never did. I mean, I couldn't stop that from not happening. And I kept trying. And so I was spinning my wheels and doing all this, trying to help her. But it really wasn't helping her. She didn't have to pay any consequences. She didn't, you know, she, she could go off to school and have her report done and feel like everybody else. So I, I just feel like there's so many times that that happens. And it's, again, as we focus on our child and trying to fix them, you know, God is often trying to do something. I can just see him going, oh, mom, please. You just got in the way. I was getting somewhere. Um, I think, you know, you hear the the term rock bottom all the time. It gets overused, I think. But that's the truth. The the kid might have to get to the bottom of themselves, to the end of themselves, for God to be able to do anything with them. And we keep holding them up so they don't get to that end place. They don't hear the Lord. They can't hear God. Which if you think about it, what is our deepest desire for our child is probably not that they graduate from high school or that they purchase their own home or that um, even that they are off drugs. Our deepest desire and goal is for them to walk with Christ, knowing that walking with Christ these other things to have a a relationship with him, a saving relationship with him. And so knowing that that is our deepest heart's desire, isn't it funny that we, we just throw a wrench in it sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the thing is that we're moms though. I mean, from the time these babies are born, they're dependent on us. And we take care of everything. And even when they're little, I mean, we're taking care of all their needs. And it's like all of a sudden, one day you wake up and go, oh, my gosh, you know, this child is not receiving what I'm trying to do for them anymore. You know, it's all and it just happens overnight. And we're not we're not geared for that. We're not ready for that. I mean, our our whole self is wrapped up in being a mom. And maybe part of that for me, too, was because I wasn't in tune enough with the Lord during those years. I wasn't surrendering my own life to him. And so I certainly wasn't willing to surrender my child's life to him. That's a good point. But I think if you are a believer or living an active, vibrant life with the Lord, or if you are not, I think moms are doers. We're always doing, doing, doing. We're always fixing, fixing, fixing. And we don't, take a lot of time to step back and 
focus on those tangible, intangible things because there's so much of the tangible that needs done. I was just speaking to our local moms group about prayer and how I was so focused for so many years on the doing, you know, the Mary and the Martha, the doing, doing, doing. And then it really, the Lord put it on my heart. You, you say you believe in the power of prayer. You say you believe that God hears and that he intervenes and that he does all these things. And I'm like, yeah, I believe it. I believe it. And then God spoke to me and said, but are you doing it? And I was like, oh yeah, I, I believe it so much, but I'm not really doing it. I need to figure out a way to be praying, being proactive and praying for my children and all these things. And I think that's the case. We, we just, we want to fix, we want to do, and we forget that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, we, it's funny that our, just this Sunday, um, our pastor at church was talking about, um, we're in the book of Philippians, but anyway, the whole idea of being, I'm trying to remember what exactly said versus, uh, uh, doing it versus believing it, preaching it. I mean, I, I've been in full-time ministry for 20 years and uh, it, I, it's so easy for me to talk to people about prayer and about the importance of their relationship with Christ. And, and it can make a difference in their life. But man, if I don't spend time with them every day, if I don't spend time and I find myself, there's many times I'm, I can find myself getting crabby and, you know, not a good attitude. And I realize, man, I, I haven't been spending time with the Lord enough. And it's so, but I, like you said, it's so easy to talk about it. And after being in ministry for a long time, the words just come out. I've got like all everything down, what I need to say. And I, I do believe it. I, I truly believe it, but I have to always be reminding myself it's a constant, it's something constant that I need to stay in the word. I need to stay in prayer. I need to spend time with God every day, like any other relationship, like any other relationship we want to maintain. You have to spend time with, with that person. So I think, yeah, that's really, really good. So you mentioned earlier that you were living away from the Lord, you weren't following him. And then it was through some of this situation that it really brought you back to the Lord. What did that transition look like? So, you know, you're on a path where, you know, you're living your life really realizing now I'm going to do things different. Did you just walk right back into church and sign up for every Bible study? Did you just start memorizing in Genesis, you know? I, we did start going to church. My, my sister had, was real involved in a church and she had said, had said, you know, come to, to my church. So we did. And what happened for me was, um, remember, I had a whole background. My dad's the pastor. I grew up in the church. I knew the Lord from years before. But I, the worship songs, that was the first thing. Worship, I cry and cry and cry every week. Not the first few weeks. I was so hard. My heart was so hard and stony. I protected myself that I didn't have any real emotions. And over a period of time, singing the worship songs, we did get involved in a small group of other couples. And I began to be very, you know, emotional. And I, I mean, it really started, you know, so it was a process. Uh, we got, I had been baptized as a baby. My husband and I got baptized together uh, again in our church. Uh, we were in this small group, but it was a while before we started serving, I think as greeters, you know, but it, it was a process of coming back. But I, I tell people this, I had a foundation. I had a foundation already in the Lord. And so when I decided to come back to him, it was easier for me to build 
back up my faith than for someone who maybe has no foundation or has never known the Lord. Um, so that was helpful. But yeah, so it wasn't like I just jumped in and did everything at once. It took a while in my emotion. My, one of my verses that I love, because I realized in church in those days, man, I, at first I have no emotion. I couldn't cry. I really hardly laughed. I was just so hard. And then a few years later, after I'd been going to church for a while and had gotten back in touch with my emotions, I went to a women's retreat and the theme verse was Ezekiel 36, 26. And that verse says, it's God, I'm paraphrasing because I'm a horrible memorizer, but he says, I will give you a new heart. I'll take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new heart with new and right desires, a heart of flesh. And I was like, I just got overwhelmed when I read that. I'd never seen that verse before, but I, God had kept that promise to me over those years. And um, today that's still one of my favorite verses he will change our hearts he does and it doesn't necessarily have to be overnight because i think there's a learning like anything else or like any other relationship that we have to build with him i think you spoke to two separate mama groups there and you might not have even have even realized it that to the young mom who it, she's she's put an effort in all these little ones trying to pour scripture pour biblical biblical truths in them but yet has a fear that someday when they leave my home it, it might not stick it they might walk away from it and is what i'm doing right now of benefit if later on who knows what happens and then you're also talking to the mom that's in it right now whose child has stepped away and they said you know what i did all the things I, I invested and, and it's not coming out how I thought. And by your personal testimony that your parents trained that into you and poured that into you, you stepped away. And then when you came back, you assimilated into the church so quickly and easily because you did have yes. that foundation. And so I think what you just said was an encouragement to young moms to keep up and keep up and trust the Lord and hand your children to him because if they do walk away, those foundations can come back later to set them upright. If your child's there right now in that absent time, then when they do come back and we're just going to keep trusting the Lord that he brings them back and that he is working on their journey and in their life now. So I think right there, ooh, you just nailed it. You know, that's, and, and that's a really good, a really good point. It, and it is true. I, I today, my mom, I, we live over here in Arizona. My mom and dad are here. She's going to be 94 in November. And I, I try to spend time with them every week, but I mean, they're still independent. She, we laugh, but my mom and I, in fact, um, she's been on, uh, I, I do a live video every Thursday night. She's been on there with me. She was a hurting mom. My dad's a pastor. They grew, they raised us in the church. And then I, at 18, go off the rails for about 30 years. And she shares about the pain that she went through and how as a pastor's wife, she couldn't talk to anybody about it. She didn't know where to go. And she talks about that. And they talk about their greatest joy today is there's three of us. I'm the oldest of three kids that all of us are serving the Lord today, all of us, but we all went through our trials and, and things. And so, but you're absolutely right. Moms that are, you know, raising your little ones, don't stop. 
raising them in the church and reading scripture to them. And it does come back. It will. I've got a couple of my kids that I'm praying. I'm still praying. will remember and come and, you know, come back to the Lord. Well, I think another thing that you just touched on was your mom not having anybody to talk to. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a few thoughts I have on that. One is that, you know, the devil wins when we don't talk about it. You know, when we, when we don't talk about it, he, the devil delights in the darkness and in the hidden things and the secret things that we don't share because he starts to claim victory and he starts to speak to us in some yucky ways. Right. And so in a way we want to just blast it out of the water and say, Hey, let me tell y'all what's going on because I don't want it to be such a secret. I want people joining with me to pray with me about the situation and we can claim victory over it in the Lord. But then there's also a balance with protecting our child's story and protecting their, their walk and what the Lord is doing in them and not you know, blasting that for the whole world to hear too. I have a couple of thoughts on that for one, and this probably is mostly for addicts or kids that are deliberately real, not, they're not, they're not thinking about their parents, but it is, they're making choices that are hurting them. One of the other big things that we didn't talk about was estrangement. I cannot believe how many kids just say, I'm done with you. I don't want anything to do with you. And they block their parents. They take grandkids away. They, they turn their back on them. One of the things that I've come to, because I'll have a lot of moms that'll say, is this a private page on Facebook? Or I don't want my child to know that I'm in a hurting moms group. You know, they're trying to protect. And I, my reaction to that, especially if their child's an addict or doing something, you know, really hurtful to them is I'm like, why they don't, they're not thinking about you when they're making the decisions they're making. I mean, what difference does it make if you're getting some help for yourself because you're brokenhearted over what they're doing? And, and, and that, cause a lot of times, especially if a kid's an addict and they're like, Oh, I don't want them to know that, you know, I'm getting up there trying to tiptoe around them. And I'm like, they're not worried about you. You know, they're not worried about you. You need to do what you need to do for yourself. And I really feel like that. I mean, it sounds a little bit harsh, but at the same time, I just think it's important that we do it. And it doesn't mean that you go out in public and proclaim that they're an addict, but it means you should be able to join a group to get help, or you should be able to seek some help for yourself that has nothing to do with them other than the fact they're the ones hurting you without worrying about what they're going to do or say or think about that or if it's going to make them mad. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, sometimes we are so apt to hide our feelings and our emotions and how it does affect us personally as a mom, because we're out in that protection mode. We don't want our child to feel hurt that we're hurt and they're the one that did it kind of thing. And so um, it is this kind of a, a wall where, you know, if they knew, you know, do you know how much this hurts me? And if they heard that, how much it really hurt you as a parent, depending on the situation and, and what was going on, it actually might make them, you know, bring them to a different, it might be part of their journey, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. For sure. And, and it may be that it may not be right in that moment. It may not be in that moment. They go, oh, wow, I'm really hurting my mom. So I'm going to 
turn around. It may not be in that moment at all, but, but down the line as things, that's one thing that can, can change, you know, change them, change how they feel. Because at the end of the day, they love you. You know, they're, they're, they, they just, maybe they don't love anybody <laughs> but themselves, you know, in, in this. So it's a, it, there's so many different dynamics and it's, it can be so complex, but at the end of the day, my heart is for moms to be able to find joy and peace again, regardless of what your children are doing. I mean, learn to, ha- you can't, it's not impossible. It's very, very possible. Learning to have that joy, learning. I, I say for me, one of my greatest, the biggest emotion that hurt me was anxiety. I was filled with anxiety, laying awake at night, waking up with a feeling of dread in the morning. What's going to happen today? Where is she today? What's, you know, that horrible feeling. There's nothing like anxiety when you're just churned up and it makes you physically sick. Learning how to overcome that, even if my child's still doing the same thing, that I'm going to overcome that. And that's what it's really about, because we don't have any control over what they're doing. There, there's no way, not once they become adults, not once they're making these decisions. And um, it just takes us a long time to figure that out. Okay. So throwing out some situations, like we're standing there at a grocery store or we're sitting down for coffee and someone shares that their child is really, really struggling. And somebody else maybe has an idea of, oh my goodness, my child just did the most fantastic thing in the world. I'm so excited to tell you about this great thing. There are some different expectations. There's some different social interactions where it's like, sometimes we're afraid to say the good things our child has done because we have a friend who's hurting because of hard situations. And I don't know if you could just speak to somehow how we could be better responders either on the when we're living in success or when we're living in the difficulty is there any advice you'd have in in either end and just as as women as moms to help support and encourage each other no matter which group they're in yeah for one thing you know first of all a couple things you said i feel like the more real we are, whether it's good or bad, I mean, the more vulnerable people are and transparent with other people, the deeper the relationship can be and the more healthy it is. And so if we're listening to someone share about their good child and we have something going on with our child and we don't share that because we're afraid it'll bring them down or vice versa, they know we've got something going on with our child, they're afraid to share. I, I think I feel like people, we just need to be real with each other and we all need to learn how to accept and be happy for one another. It doesn't, even though I had a child that was out of control, it did not change my view of somebody else if their children were doing good. It didn't make me feel worse. I don't think anything can really make you feel worse. And I could be, and I could be genuinely happy for them. And, and not only that, I had a lot of kids. So I had other kids that were doing really well. It was, you know, so I could relate in that way. And the other word that you said that I always like perk up at was you said expectations. And I think so many times in life, no matter what it is about, expectations are the things that really end up hurting us. We have expectations about things 
and well, we don't really have a right to have that expectation. You know, why do why do we expect someone's going to respond a certain way? Or like you said, if I have a great child, but I know my friend has a child that's having problems, I'm expecting that it's going to hurt them if I talk about my good child. And that those expectations so many times can get us into trouble. Whereas if we can just be real with where we're at right now, good or bad, and listen to, be open to listening to our friend or the other person, I think it really solves a lot of that. I think actually it bounces back to the beginning of our conversation where we said that there is no perfect mom, there's no perfect family, there's no perfect situation that I think maybe in that vulnerability when women can share what's on their heart, even the hurt, when you do come to that point, that person <laughs> may have some things that they go, you know, I'm also struggling and I wasn't going to say it, but because you did say that, can I just tell you what's really going on in my life? And it, yeah. it gives an opportunity for the Lord to, to make a friendship in a totally different way. Absolutely. I can't, you know, one of my favorite words and even through this whole hurting mom thing is community. God did not create us to go through life alone. And when we're isolating ourselves, no matter what it's for, and a lot of times when we're a hurting mom or our kids making these decisions, we isolate because we don't want to, like you said, we don't want to let anybody know. That's not God's intention for us. And we can be such a, a great help to each other. We can be the ones to build somebody up. And even if we're hurting ourselves, walking away from a conversation like that, where we've both been true and transparent and vulnerable, we can walk away and it gives us a lift. It feels good. But that's about community. You can't be in real community if you're not being open and transparent. I mean, you can sit in a group of women and not really share anything and walk away just feeling as alone and isolated as you were before. But if you share and you open up and you're so right, I can't tell you how many times if I share a little piece of my story, someone else will open up and say, you know what, I've been there too. I think that's the way it's supposed to be. I think we're supposed to be open and transparent. We can't have true relationship or true community without it. And that's where the healing takes place, really. The healing can happen when we're sharing. If we're holding it in it's pretty hard to get beyond the pain. That's so good. I am so glad that I asked you to join me here today. And I want to figure out how people can connect to you. Now you did mention community and you also mentioned that you have online resources, but not only that, you guys have in-person meetings. So I am going to link in the show notes where to find you for some of these things, but Tell me, you have a website called Hurting Moms Mending Hearts. Yeah, it's hurtingmomsmendinghearts.org. And at the website, there's lots of resources there. There are blogs there. I mean, we try to put as much out as we can to help moms. There's blogs, there's videos. Um, you can see, you can join a group there if you want to. Yeah, there's lots of stuff on the, on the website. Then we also have a Facebook page, Hurting Moms Mending Hearts. And that page every Thursday night at six o'clock Pacific time. So you got to figure out what time that is where you're at. Uh, but I go live. I've been doing it for like four or five years. I go live 
and I usually have another mom on with me and it's kind of like this only we're just, you can see us. We just, you know, share the stories. Like I said, the stories are different. The pain is the same. So we do that. I'm trying to think what else. Those, those are the main things. We're on Instagram. There's different ways to be able to connect. We do have live groups. I mean, the U.S. is a big country and we have groups in Canada. So, so even if there's a group in, in Tennessee, it might be 200 miles away from where you are. So right. We're building, we have about 80 groups throughout the U.S. and Canada that are in-person groups, but we always have online groups going. Um, you can sign up for an online group and you get your book and t- it's a 10-week group and the groups have anywhere from like four to 12 women in them. So there's always six or seven online groups going at any given time. Okay. So if women were to join your group, they would be able to have like a, a 10 week study guide where they go through and they, they build in the community, those relationships, but you also have a biography that's on Amazon and probably from your website too, called the story of a hurting mom from broken to mended. Yes. So after the, um, after I wrote the curriculum and it got out there and then I had written some devotionals that got out, my publisher asked me to write my autobiography. And so I did, I took a sabbatical from my, I had worked at a church. I took a sabbatical and I wrote that. It's not very thick. It's so funny when it came out, I was like, I'm almost 70 years old and this little thin book, it should be huge with this much life, but it's been, it's been received very well. It's very simple to read. A lot of people say they read it in one or two days. And um, it just starts with my childhood as a pastor's kid, all the way up to all my marriages, all the dirt on me, all the stuff I did wrong. And then all the kids and stepkids and up to how the Lord called me back to him and how hurting moms got started. So it it also includes, and I'll say this little tidbit. um, I believe that there's four things that when you're a hurting mom, there's four things that we believe to be true. And these are the things that are hurting us, but they're actually misbeliefs. And the first one is that we're the only one. I touched on that. You think I'm all alone. I'm the only one. Second one is we think it's our fault. We care no matter what you can, raise your kid in the church, be the perfect mom, but we still feel like, where did I go wrong? This is my fault. The third one is that we feel like if we just keep trying hard enough, we're going to be able to fix or control them. We can just keep trying. We keep looking for ways. And the, the last one, the fourth one is we feel like we cannot have peace or joy in our lives until our child turns around or stops doing what they're doing. And all four of those are misbeliefs. They're not true. And I, so I talk about each of those in that book as well. Well, I'm sure you've learned so much on your journey and I bet we haven't even talked on this one, but I have the feeling your prayer life has been impacted and you've learned a lot about going to the Lord in prayer because of this. I wonder if you just close us out in prayer today. I would be happy to. Thank you. So dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity that you give us to, to share and to be real and to be transparent and vulnerable. Thank you for these moms that are listening today, Lord, and for those that may be hurting and brokenhearted over their child. I pray, God, that you would just wrap your loving arms of peace and protection around them, that they would sense your presence, that they would know that you're with them. And for their children, God, I pray that you would bring people into their lives that would point 
in your direction, people in their lives that will protect them. Um, even though we as moms sometimes can't do that, God, we know that you are with them and we just trust you with that. And we want to surrender these kids to you, Lord, knowing that you love them more than we do. They are your children too. And so I pray for the moms that have young children. I pray, God, that you would just give them patience and energy. And I can remember how, how hard it is chasing young ones around. And I just pray, Father, that you would give them everything they need to just love those kids and raise them up to the best of their ability. Most importantly, uh, raise them up to know you. So thank you for the opportunities that you give us to be in community and to turn to you. And I just lift up every mom listening today. And I thank you for Pam and for her ministry and uh, just for her and pray God for her going forward that, that more and more moms would tune in and listen to this podcast so that they can have hope in their lives too. So that's what we pray for, Father, hope and healing. We love you so much. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And make sure you go find Kathy online. And if you are looking for a mom's group about just general things, make sure you find me over at Less Than Perfect Christian Mamas. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at tendingfields.net. Because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true.